I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show needs your support, and it's not going to cost you a dime. If you're getting ready to shop on Amazon, start at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Click through the Amazon Gold Box on our homepage. And a percentage of those purchases will help support the show at no extra cost to you. The same goes for all the buy links on our site, including our guest products and all the items featured in Christopher and Eric's favorites. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. And now it's time for another episode of The Dinner Party Show. Brought to you by you. Hi, I'm Alec Moppa, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Jordan? Jordan! Jordan! There you are, tippling in the wine cellar. You know, you might actually be cool if the stuff you said actually made sense. That's funny. I I often think the same thing when I talk to you. What I mean is... You really seem to have drunk a lot of our wine. Yeah, most of it was super old, so I figured you'd be throwing it out soon anyway. Not really how wine works. Anyway, I was looking for you. Okay, first of all, I didn't think they would break so easy, and I totally didn't expect them to start screaming either. Okay, let's save that story for a little later. I I have a surprise. Prize for you in the gift bag room. The gift bag room? Yes. There's a gift bag room? Yes, right through here. After you. Hey, there aren't any gift bags in here. It's just a lot of mops and brooms and stuff. And it's all for you. Really? That's so... Hey, are you trying to trick me? This door is locked. Hey! Hey, let me out of here! I can't stay here. It's beginning to Everywhere I go. It's very sparkling water! Okay, what's going on? What's so important? Well, I felt bad after Jordan's little stunt with Twas the Night Before Christmas last week, so I thought we needed to fix it. Yeah, um, sorry about that. Funny story, I told him I wanted to put together a sort of audio Christmas card for the show. And he didn't know what audio meant. He didn't, actually. Long story short, I brought the whole cast in. Really? Everyone? Well, the TDPS Christmas party is next week, and there's the big announcement, and it's important to me that we redo the whole thing right. Okay, everybody, come on. Really? All of them? Huh? You had to invite all of them? Yeah, it's it's, it's that time of the year. How were they all available? Okay, everybody move. Yeah, everybody make it. Yeah. God, it's like we are the world for assholes. Okay, Eric. Are we ready, Brandon? Ready. Okay! Up to Timbo for the little motherfuckers! Here we go! Oh, God. How much is this gonna cost? Or you could just fire Jordan. I'm sure it'll be great. Shh. Twas the eve before Christmas. The joy shared by all. Cause everything was half price here at Poison Creek Mall. The last minute shoppers were gleeful with panic. But the children's were hellions, pendejo satanic. Oh, that's nice, Lupe. As Lupe O'Neill. Here in the newsroom, we scrambled for relevance. The Republican primaries were more farce than elegance. Their clown car of candidates seemed devoid of a winner, and I counted the minutes till good night and good dinner. A star in the East once predicted good fortune, but that slut Sagittarius has ruined things for everyone. So while I may still be the queen of the stars, I'm currently living in the back of Breck's car. Didn't see that coming, eh? Fucky Breck. 
The specter of ISIS has spoiled foreign travels, so I opened a gift shop as my business unraveled. I now sell gift baskets as my new vocation, designed for the traveler who chooses staycations. I'm Brock. And I'm Bastion. And we're here to say... We're having a party on this Christmas day. Our stunning glass palace will be decked, draped, and lighted. But we want you to know that you're all not invited. Everyone who's anyone will be at our ball. So since you all missed it, best wishes to all... Air quotes! <laughs> Now, Morrow and Olsen and each patchwork player, get into costume and makeup and hair. The critics are here for our pageant review, so do a good job or I'll kill all of you. As Solstice Moon arises in the Bay Area sky, sacred altar prepare, show Heine and I. With chanting and incense, Gaia we evoked. Instead, the fire department came following our smoke. We're loud. And we're calm. And we're here for a reason. To restore the true meaning of the Christmas season. With all the distractions and presents to please us. We want to remind you it's still... Two snaps for Jesus! If your ends are all split and your skin is too dry, we've got a solution that you ought to try. Stop by Chez Chavot, there's never a wait. Soon all your friends will say, You look great. And stop by Darnell's for a holiday frock that'll soon put some spirit back into your walk. I'm Beverly Goodly of Beverly's Good Sense. With our seasonal fragrance, Holy Sacraments. Now hold on, everybody. I say, I say, you're losing the spirit of the true Christmas day. Instead of these presents and tinsel and trees, you should save all your money and give it to me. No, the holiday season means be of good cheer. So we can stand ass acres like you for the rest of the year. We're Mauritius. I'm TJ. And I am called Boris. And, and we, we wanted to wish Jesus greetings, greetings in, in chorus. chorus. And I am Natasha, and he is Fitzpatrick. Happy New Year! And his drugs kicked in early, so he's kind of erratic. With Janice and Anidia from WeHo City Hall. Bringing non-denominational holiday wishes to all. So while we make merry, our thoughts are not far. To all party people, wherever you are. With the exception of Jordan. Oh, Mr. Clean is kind of hot. We want you to know, we thank you for listening to the Dinner Party Show. Dot com. I went to a marvelous party. Facts. Most people don't even know the facts. The they go with their gut. Don't have only thing your gut cares about your money. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine. You first, Eric. <laughs> Live 
from the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's the Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. No, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay. No, no, no. We're going to take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. I'm Christopher Wright. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the Dinner Party Show's livecast for December 13th, 2015. And tonight we will not be talking about Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, God. who reacted to the historic international climate change deal by saying President Obama was making promises he couldn't keep because the whole deal could be, quote, shredded in 13 months what? when we elect a new president. <laughs> We can't decide which of the following is more likely. Has McConnell never looked at a list of or listened to a debate with or ever laid eyes on any of the barking <laughs> mad, sociopathic, pathologically lying, widely reviled Fox News rodeo clown assholes currently running for the Republican nomination for president? Apparently not. Or is he still wedded to the interests of a small handful of billionaire oil executives willing to incinerate the world even though it will leave them with almost nothing to fly their private jets over? Well, obviously. Well, we're not sure and we don't really care. We're just waiting for the day when it becomes clear McConnell won't be able to keep his promises to make the world safe for people who profit from its literal destruction. Aww. Until then, we're not talking about him or them or their private planes, Cut. just the literal hellscape they're willing to turn the planet into rather than adapt their business practices to scientific reality. <laughs> but first, Christmas. <laughs> okay. And on that subject... We will not discuss, sing, whistle, or hum along to the ubiquitous and overproduced holiday date rape Christmas adjacent duet, Baby It's Cold Outside. Just for openers, it's not a Christmas song. No. It's a Red Skelton Betty Garrett comedy routine from an old Esther Williams picture called Neptune's Daughter. Sound like Christmas? <laughs> Betty in the movie was the aggressor, even. But that's not actually our problem. Second, it's kind of a skeezy song. Hey, what's in this drink is actually one of the lines mm. in this creepy salute to roofie-based romance. Mm. Can that really be a good thing, let alone a holiday tradition? Eh, cringeworthy, but still not our complaint. Apparently, though, since no one seems to have ever written a Christmas duet, everyone who's ever done a Christmas album, has recorded this one so it gets played constantly, everywhere. And we're just 
maxed out. Indeed. While it is a cold weather related duet, even if there are no other Christmas duets out there, this is not a Christmas duet. It's just a duet. Mm -hmm. So, worse still, since Baby It's Cold Outside isn't a Christmas song, they don't stop playing it after Christmas. Oh, God. Can we please declare a moratorium and agree that we will all stop singing, playing, or re-recording with endlessly clever celebrity pairings this tired old date rape anthem that may or may not have been funny in 1949, but has never, ever been a Christmas song. And what the hell? Someone write an actual Christmas duet already. Clearly, there is a huge demand. But until they do, no more Baby It's Cold Outside or anywhere else. It's not all we want for Christmas, but it's a hell of a start. I smell a nonprofit in there somewhere. <laughs> also, not being discussed. <laughs> Baby It's Cold Outside.com. <laughs> Sarah Kickstarter. <laughs> Hashtag Christmas date rape. Right, exactly. Also, not being discussed on tonight's show <sighs> Justice Antonin Scalia. Oh, that old wind. The latest entry into the Ronald Reagan Hall of Famous Conservative Figures whose undiagnosed and creeping mental illness is causing them to fuck up America. With Scalia. Bad hair. Yeah, and at least, at the very least, Scalia, who said publicly this week, that black college students would do better at slower track schools. Jesus Christ. Once again answers the question, what if your drunk uncle who never read the newspaper became a Supreme Court justice? <laughs> Not only was Scalia's assertion factually wrong, FYI, according to the Georgetown University Center on Education and the Workforce, graduation rates for blacks and Latino black and Latino students, excuse me, double when they move to selective schools from open access <laughs> colleges. Smart people. It was also completely fucking racist, and like most racism, it was an act of intellectual sloth. At least. So as with all racism and all racist uncles who shout bigoted crap at the rest of us from their favorite Barca lounger, we're not talking about him, it, them, or anyone who it might ever use the phrase, you people. <laughs> and here's hoping that he just returns to that Barca lounger and stays there. Forever. That, yes, I think all of the Supreme Court rulings would benefit from that. Okay. We simply cannot bear Another word about the completely non-existent war on Christmas. Despite the fact that Star Wars, Star Wars, <laughs> Starbucks, I've got Already Star Wars starting, on the braze. But the Force is the brain, awakening yes, in Yes, the brain. Force is sneaking in. Despite the fact that Starbucks had red and green cups this year, clearly a shot it's, at Christmas. It's, it's a there were Kwanzaa conspiracy. Futuristic decorations in New Jersey malls and the sponsors of the nativity scene in the state capitol in dun 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 you guessed it Florida decided not to put up their manger scene this year. Christmas is doing great with annual sales of 40 million Christmas trees displayed in nearly 80% of all American households and another 7.2 billion with a B dollars that we spend every year just on decorations, not to mention what we pony up for what goes under the tree, Christmas seems alive and well by pretty much any measure. Indeed. Other than Merry Fucking Christmas already, all we can think to say to the pinheads who continue to insist they are somehow being religiously oppressed <laughs> by those seeking to deny their constitutional right to Christmas— is that the presence and acknowledgement of religions other than Christianity does not constitute a war on Christmas? So have some more eggnog and shut the hell up about a war on Christmas, would ya? 
You're harshing my Merry Christmas. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And joining us in the guest seat, because we <laughs> couldn't resist bringing him on, is Brian Fuller. Yay! There was so much demand. There really was. We, you know, It's Favorites Month here on The Dinner Party Show, so we are going to ask you what your favorite books, movies, and TV shows are of all time. Oh my God, first. I have so many. Also, apparently you promised your peeps out there in the Fullerverse more giveaways, which was yes, very, yes. I was very relieved to hear because we gave away everything you gave us last time, <laughs> so we didn't have more it to took, give away. It took about six months. There was so much of it. It was wonderful, though. It was Everybody really great. The up, get, yeah. yeah, we've it, it really increased. People were a lot more popular than well, we used I've, to be. I've got Blu-rays, and I've got Funko dolls. I've, I've got a lot of hand And I swag. think we have pictures of all the stuff going up at the uh, Instagram account for the Dinner Party Show right now. That's the Funko dolls are amazing. The, they're cute. Underscore you can take them in the bathtub. Dinner <laughs> underscore when, party under... Sorry, the Instagram address is so long, I'm actually still reading it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the Dinner Party Show with underscores in between it all, because maybe, Instagram maybe is Maybe Shea Butters can cause it to show up on the Facebook page. I don't page. know. He's He can do a lot of things, that Shea Butters. You can share those things. I, yeah. Even I can share things on the Facebook page from idea. Instagram. So maybe it can just show up there. Maybe that would that's help people idea. to find it, rather than you having to... God, that's a long the address. The underscore dinner underscore. Anyway, I'm sorry, but I stepped on what you were saying, Mr. Fuller. Um, the the action figures, are they action figures that I'm looking at right um, now? Describe I think they can turn. They, they have big disproportioned heads and little bitty bodies. Yeah, I want to hear what you're doing with them in the bathtub. Well, they're explorers. I see. I can't wait to hear what they're displaying. In Brian's explorers. bathtub, there are many explorers. <laughs> it is written. They, they, I, I, I knock them off the side of the bathtub into the water and pretend it's the finale. That's <laughs> of season three. Brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> and they swim away. Okay. I have a season three finale question, and maybe and it's there's going to be a season maybe three finale question on our on party the line. DVDs. It could be. It's, the commentaries are crazy. There's a question about what's on the DVD. There is a yeah. There is a somebody I believe is going to ask you to explain in more detail what is on the DVD. But anyway, should so I explain now or should I wait till we they ask do for the question? Okay, let's go we'll to the questions. The okay. As always, I'll get to my question eventually, okay. or I'll just ask you later. The party line blew up with the merest mention of Brian Fuller, and we should let people know Patricia Nell Warren, author of the Front Runner, icon, groundbreaking author, will be with us later in the broadcast. Icon. She will be in the second guest chair. But for now, we have questions for Brian Fuller from the party line. Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Stevie, and I am calling with a question for Brian. First of all, I wanted to say how envious I am that you got to write the carousel at the House on the Rock. Thanks for it sharing those pictures. And I'm excited to hear that you are expanding Laura's role in American Gods, and I wanted to ask if you could give us some hints as to what that is going to mean, or at least uh, talk about why you chose to make her role a little bit bigger. Thanks so much for everything you do for all your fans, and look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thanks. Well, uh, thank you very much for the question, Stevie, and I'm so glad that you love the Laura character as much as, as we all do at American Gods. One of the conversations early on that Michael Green and I were having was how to, if we, if we were just doing a direct adaptation of the book, it would be two guys 
primarily and their story for, for most of it. And we thought, uh, you know, like with Hannibal, we don't want to have a sausage party, so we needed to have uh, some ladies in there and get ladies' point of view. And so much so that there will be an entire episode that's kind of uh, a new pilot, all from Laura's perspective. That's how into Laura we are. Mm. So that's one of the episodes to look forward to in the first season of American Gods. Uh, speaking of Hannibal and Will Graham, I just want to say Freddie Lowndes on Twitter is suggesting a Baby It's Cold Outside duet with Hannibal and Will Graham to bring it full uh, circle. I, back to uh, I love the Baby It's might, Cold Outside. I might make an exception for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the uh, Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaacs duet of no. Baby It's Cold Outside? Oh. It was Adorable. Oh, okay. Who are they? Yeah, thank God. Uh, that's the, they're in the new Star Wars movie. That's the. Oh, okay. Is that your your friends? Oh yeah. Well, uh, uh, yes. Uh, a good, she the one you were. Yeah. We're like. What's she, happening, guys? <laughs> Brian is going to the premiere of Star Wars. Is what's oh, happening. Because his uh, because he's friends with somebody from the show. Or? Yeah. yeah uh, yes, uh, we have a friend in the show and are a very good friend of ours uh, in in London. It's uh, his goddaughter. That's wonderful. Is Daisy? Is Daisy? That's and so cool. Yes, it's That's very fantastic. exciting. So you're going. So to you premiere. actually know yes. her, sort of. The well, premiere, which is I'd shutting <laughs> down Hollywood. They say the premiere of the film is going to be bigger than the Oscars. They have a. I live pretty close to the entrance to Hollywood Boulevard, and we have big signs up that say it's going to be closed for almost the entire week. Yeah, there's yeah. something like three or four premieres in Los oh Angeles God. that are shutting down portions of the city in epic ways. Unbelievable. All right, let's go because back. Traffic to the... wasn't bad enough. I know, no, right? It's let's go back to the party worse. line and let's. Here, the next question for Hi, Brian my question is for Brian Fuller. I was wondering if you could elaborate any on the alternate ending that was shown on the Hannibal Season 3 DVD. We've had some pretty interesting theories, but I'd love to hear what your original plan was. Thank you. The alternate ending. I'm not sure I know what the alternate ending is. There was there was some extended footage of more kind of... Did they kiss? Well, they didn't quite, but you could feel the gravitational pull as... Because that was my question. ...sort of lingered in a... I mean, they're, they are close. near kiss in, in many ways. Remember the end of Bound when uh, Jennifer Tilly... God, I love like, that movie The so guy much. wants to lean forward and kiss her again? After she kisses him goodbye, it, it was sort of a prolonged moment of that. Wonderful, cool. wonderful. Let's hear what Abby has to say. Love it. Hey guys, this is Abby. I, love I Abby have too. a question for Master Brian Fuller. It's a very Master. simple one. On a scale from one to the Force Awakens comes out in four days, how excited were you when Steven Spielberg asked you to review Amazing Stories? Uh, I, I would have to say that it. She said, have a lovely evening. That was Abby. Abby. I love He's Abby. He's so excited he couldn't wait to answer yeah, the I question. I couldn't. You said Force Awakens, and he goes, oh. I, yeah. Well, I am, uh, I'm so excited for the new Star Wars movie. I, I am a big Star Wars fan, tried and true. But it was, it was pretty cool setting with Steven Spielberg, I have to say. That's so it amazing. When you told us highlight. that we couldn't tell anybody, this is what we were talking about when we said we couldn't tell you what it was. Right, the last time you were on the show, <laughs> oh we knew God. this was happening, but we couldn't say anything. It was, it was so excited. It was so exciting for it. You told us at dinner, and I don't think I was even able to finish eating. It was it, so exciting. It was pretty cool. He's, he's talk about an icon. He's, yeah. uh, he's Steven Spielberg, yeah. He's made some perfect movies. Yeah, he really has. All right, what does Teresa have to say? Hi, my name is Teresa. I have a quick question for Brian. I saw online that you guys are doing another Hannibal auction, and 
selling some props and stuff, and I was wondering if there was anything from the show that you snagged for yourself. Thank you. That you oh, snagged for yourself. From yes. What you snagged? I did snag a few things. I snagged the Will Graham crazy mask, the face restraining mask from Ooh, season two. Nice. I have the virgin in white that Hannibal wore in season three. I've got a uh, Mason Verger mask. I got a Mason Verger ring. I got Francis Dollarhide's teeth. I've got Francis Dollarhide's robe. Whoa! <laughs> uh, there's a few things. I'm I'm yeah. grabby when it comes to props. I really um, like Eric to... would like Francis Dollarhide. Can that yeah. be arranged? That Can Richard Armitage go over to his house like right now? I have some pictures or not right on now my, when the show's over. I have some pictures of on my iPhone of of the tattoo tests. So uh, oh. maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe at the brave. <laughs> I'm sure Richard would not appreciate that. <laughs> I'll bet. But, uh, uh, I've always threatened with uh, uh, tweeting those. Well, maybe uh, we can get him okay. to do other things. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I think we have so time for amazing. one more question All right, before we then. take a short musical break. Hi, Brian. Freddie here. Hi, Freddie. Uh, I'm going to blame Master Eric for this, oh. but I'm asking a purely selfish question. If Freddie Lance can't hook up with a Wendy and that never works out, can she at least hook up with Frederick Chilton? Love you so much. Really hoping for a season four. I think a, I think a, a, a Freddy experiment would be a lot of fun. Freddy, two Freddies. Fred, Frederick Chilton and Freddie Lowndes. Uh, but what was she saying about a Wendy? He can't, well, can't Wendy is Freddy's, in the book, uh, Wendy is Freddy's lover. Oh, and, right, in the book. And, so, and Freddie is male in the book. Yes, yes. Okay. And we had talked about possibly bringing her into the story, and then when little Miss Caroline DeVarna came aboard and said, I think Alana Bloom should be having sex with yes. that was great Margot choice. Berger. Great choice. I love that Okay, choice. so let's. Uh, one person mentioned it. Is there going to be a season four? Are you still holding out hope? Are there, are there yeah, things we're, in discussion? We, I just saw Martha last week, and we were discussing what it would look like. And the the plan would be to I, th- I think we have to wait something like two years after the the final airing uh, before we relaunch before okay. everything sort of settles again. So we were we will try again in a little over a year and a half. And, and I don't want to disappoint yeah, the Fanables, right? I, it's not like you don't have enough to do. Right. I was going to say, yeah, right. Well, right now, the, you know, my my dance card is pretty full, but it's I know exactly what we would do with the story, and you know, we would make another run at Science of the Lambs, and it would be great to relaunch the show again with Hannibal Colon. Silence of the Lambs. Excellent. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, you are Everything's s- better with a colon. You're going to stay right? with us. <laughs> That's here. what I've always maintained. On the <laughs> d- <laughs> oh, I'm freaked out. You're going to stay with us here on the Dinner Party Show. Patricia Nell Warren is about to join us. We're going to take a short break here for some music Just and some kicking promos. Kicking the door down. Stay with us, Fanables. We're going to find out what your favorite books, movies, and TV shows are of all time because it's Favorites Month. Right. Isn't that right, Eric? They're our favorites, and we're talking about favorites tonight. All available on thedinnerpartyshow.com. Favorites, favorites, favorites. We take you to Breck Artery live from the TDPS News World Headquarters. Breck? Breck Artery, TDPS News. This just in, Eric Shaw Quinn has finally finished writing that book he keeps talking about. Yes, despite what you might have heard... Thank you so much for reading all of that for me so I didn't have to toot my own horn. That's what friends are for. Yeah, well, let's hope you finish your book so we can celebrate its release soon as well. 
<laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> I finished my book last spring, you asshole! <laughs> or maybe because of it, Eric Shaw Quinn's latest novel, Right Murder, is now available for purchase in your favorite formats through thedinnerpartyshow.com and at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and iBooks. According to our sources, Right Murder is Eric's first ever murder mystery and the first in his new Right Murder Mystery series. It's the story of serial murder, Hollywood depravity, and the two most unlikely detectives in the history of mystery fiction. Angela Panderson, aging sex kitten, pop culture punchline, and nearly forgotten star, and Paige Blanche, her bitter former ghostwriter, ex-friend, and number one enemy, fight and claw mostly with each other as they plumb the depths of Hollywood's sordid behind-the-scenes world as they try to clear their names or at least get their movie deal greenlit. Right Murder is an insider's look at the ludicrous underbelly of Tinseltown and, this just in, it's a comedy! Get a copy of Right Murder, now available for purchase in your favorite formats through thedinnerpartyshow.com and at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and iBooks. Right Murder. Fame is murder. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now, it's time for The Dish. We hope you kept your silverware. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I have my silverware. Do you? And we have these incredibly cool guests. We're doing an amazing thing. We are introducing one icon to another. Brian right. Fuller, TV's resident genius, is meeting Patricia Nell Warren, the author of The Front Runner. They are currently shaking hands right? for the first <laughs> time <very> in <laughs> The Dinner Party Show studio here on the Sunset Strip We're in beautiful so amazing, West Hollywood, California. They are California. more amazing than we are. They really are. They it's, really a, it's a good combo. Oh, it's we're a, all amazing. Oh, right. It was the we, we, we it's favorites month, and we wanted our favorites, and so there you are. So glad to, glad to be here. So far, we have done I think 160 weekends of this show. 163. 163 weekends we've been on the air. We've done about 100. The, the show numbers are not that interesting, but the point is that throughout all of those, <laughs> they mean something to us. But throughout all of those episodes, like, the most emotional Eric Shawquin ever got was when you, Patricia, were in the studio and he was telling you Patricia how much. Your novel, The Front Runner, had meant to him. And I, then you said nice things about me to and me. And your book, which is now out and 
doing well. Absolutely right. Congratulations. Murder is, out. Murder is out and available. That and is fantastic. And uh, he has very a, another book coming next summer called The Prince's Psalm, which is a the historical. The comes mm-hmm. out in Just June. Keep, keep them coming. Yeah, you got yes. it, right? Absolutely. And uh, I'm hoping to have an, the sequel to Right Murder out in the spring, late spring. So mm-hmm. What's it called? Right's Murder? Down Low. Oh. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> what that's about. Three guesses Australia? in the first two don't count. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. We have a question on our party line for Patricia Nell Warren. I thought I would go right to that. It's maybe one you've heard before, but I think it's someone. I think it's one that everyone wants to ask the all the time. I always want to ask. Hey guys, love your show. I'm calling a question for Patricia Nell Warren in regards to her book, The Front Runner. I'm curious to know if it's close to being made into a movie, and if not, if she had a dream cast going with today's actors, who she would cast, and gosh, I really hope we do get a chance to see that movie made. Thanks, and have a great show. Well, I sure hope to see it made. Uh, right? <laughs> it's been 40 years. Waiting. Yeah. Uh, this is odd to think of. It's been half of my life now because I'm going to be 80 next year. Oh, it's 40 congratulations. years since Paul Newman first took the first option on the front runner. Wow. That would have been Many great. long so years great. ago. Yeah. And then numerous people have taken their shots at it. And I'm still very hopeful. I'm, You know, the interest in the film has never gone away i weeks I do not go by that it. i don't get questions i can't imagine that especially on facebook but emails stop. and uh, people are asking about it and there is still interest and so uh, and i think the times are right perfect times better yeah. than they ever ever were. have been yeah the issues are hotter because it today. becomes a period piece even of of what it is we've we've moved past right. since the book was originally published that's right and it's gotten, you know, we certainly have made headway on certain issues. Right. I wrote about marriage, and now we have marriage, but we're fighting to keep it because they want to take it away. Marco Rubio and has said that if he is elected president, he will work to literally take it away. Yeah, he that's right. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Some of the others will as well. Jesus yeah. would be so proud. Most of them, yeah. except for Trump. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Has, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just, all I can say is I'm, I'm very, very, very hopeful, and when there is a deal it will be announced and then everybody will know excellent and your dream cast my dream cast you know i i have my short list of of people you know and again several generations of actors have gotten right. old and too old and now to, they're now the coach there was you know the time <laughs> that paul newman would have been great and certain other people that are not around anymore and and so forth and I, 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 I keep my dream list to myself but um i think that whoever takes it on is going to have their own hmm. their own choices they have their people they like to work with absolutely it has to be somebody who's right for the part i think that especially uh the person who takes on the role of harlan brown is really going to be need to be a, an experienced actor uh and, and there has to be the um the chemistry between the two guys to for absolutely the, for the relationship to be uh, believable on screen, so there has to be passion and vibes and so forth, and and you know they have to be affordable, they have to be available, and so there's just lots of questions that have to be answered. And 
Well, let's hope somebody answers them soon. I, I am ready so. to I... see this movie. I want yeah. to cast Mads Mikkelsen and you dancing. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Through the looking glass. <laughs> through the looking glass. Well, the chemistry is certainly there. Yeah. Hugh may be the wrong age. Is that Hugh part... may be a little older than uh, than Billy needs to be. But um, <laughs> I've, I've read that that's could part Mads of Mads pull off the, the, the be an American? I've never heard him any, do anything without that accent. I love it, but... Mm. We'll loop him. <laughs> CGI, you can't CGI yeah, an accent. Yeah, that's all visual. I was going to ask you a chemistry read. Brian Fuller is now part of the process for a lot of auditions, right? Yeah. Like with Fifty Shades of Grey, they had cast her, I believe. But they had not cast him, oh. and so all the actors had to come in and do chemistry reads with her. Clearly, that's a movie where there needs to be chemistry or there'll right, be nothing. Exactly. Um, but you know that. Have you ever done a chemistry read between two actors? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, we did one with Hugh and Mass. Oh. Okay. And Hugh and other Where is too. it? Is it online? Can you upload um, it? I think the Fanables want to see it. I should see if we can pull that up to give their their first reads of that. Yeah. I wonder if that's available on one of the that DVDs. That would be really cool. That would be That'd interesting. Be really cool. Well, we have a question on the party line that's for all of us. I thought that would be interesting to throw it out, and it sort of bridges into our next topic for the well, evening. Favorites. People still remember we're on we, the they show. They do. <laughs> they do remember. What do you know about that? <laughs> Hi, folks. And what up, Nakama? Um, my name is Morgan, known oh. as Avid Bannable. I'm a party person and a lover of books and writing. Um, I'm calling to wish you all a wonderful holiday and to ask a question to everyone there. Um, who is your favorite fictional character? It can be from anything, books, mm. movie, TV. I know it's sort of difficult. And uh, thanks so much for all the writing and publishing tips favorite you guys share along the way. Fictional. And I'll see you in a while, Crocodile. Bye. Brian Fuller, you're up first. Oh, my God. Why me? Um, I'm going to go <laughs> with what's immediately on my mind right now, and not necessarily all-time favorite, but my favorite right now character on television is Peggy Blumquist, played by Kirsten Dunst on Fargo. Oh, my she God. That show is so brilliant. Last season, eh, I could take it or leave it. This season, I can't leave it it's uh, it's fantastic I can't wait television. for tomorrow's finale I'm so excited yes I'm I, me too so you're picking Peggy I'm gonna Peggy pick Peggy Bloomquist, Bloomquist. okay yeah. Patricia favorite fictional character I, I would have to say the two guys in Brokeback Mountain ah Beautiful. God, Ennis and, and oh God, we're bad can't gays. Have I, we're bad I've gays. Forgotten his we name. can't remember. Somebody on the page will remember. Shea Butters. Find out what the other character's name was immediately. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe Ennis, that slipped my mind. Ennis, Ennis and, and oh God, Ennis and Jack. Jack. Ennis and Jack. Boom, boom. Yeah. Ennis and Jack. Okay. Ennis and Jack. Um, you know, I I have a I have a bittersweet. Well, I have a conflicted one. <laughs> it was. Um, We're gonna need to bring in a a. a a fictional I'm character need therapist a fictional to therapist. talk Christopher I'm going to need this. Hannibal, early Hannibal, to walk me through this. But it was Philip Marlowe, right? Um, his he, Philip Marlowe is the detective name, Raymond Chandler's detective, Philip Marlowe. Uh-huh. Okay, you can see I'm already like. But there's a speech that he makes in one of those books that is so homophobic. And it's one of those dated period things where it's like, can I forgive this as a contemporary reader? Like, Because I think if this guy existed today with his temperament, he would be cooler than that. He would probably live either in West Hollywood or on the borders of West Hollywood. And, you know, but he, you know, like it's a universe, the sort of 50s noir detective novel universe didn't depict gay people in the best light, if you will. So is it, is it gonna, homophobic yeah. or homo ignorant? Uh, 
he it is it is more the perspective of the book itself like it is this sort of henchman to an evil person and his sexuality and his evilness are equated in this sort of scathing speech that Marlowe makes to him and it's one of those things that it's kind of hard to get past but second up did he say that in the pe- in the speech second no <laughs> it's something about you're a friend of the Greeks or whatever it starts with sort of innocuous sort of 50 slang for uh, homosexual, and then it just gets a little bit worse. For sure, yeah, a Greek absolutely. Dorothy. A Greek Dorothy. Yeah, you're a Greek Dorothy. You're, the, you're Dorothy's Greek friend. You know, that kind of thing. Zer says. Yeah, but the best one-liners in the English language are in those books. I mean, True. they are the best. She was. She had. A, she was the kind of blonde who would make a bishop kick a stained glass window. Like you just. It's the writing is like. It's early Twitter is really what it is. <laughs> and they are very. Eric Shawquin. Well, I have to say it's a three-way tie. It's Mike, I didn't know that was an option. It's mm-hmm. Michael Riley or Anti Mame or Belle Quatrain. It's one of those three. It's really hard for me to pick. I'm picking Anti Mame for you. Yeah, Anti Mame. Michael <laughs> Riley. Michael Riley character. is the lead in Say Uncle. Your I own love, character. You picked one of your I own characters. I love Good. Michael Riley. I really love that character. It was just he was fun to write. He's a fun character. I was sorry that nobody ever bought the sequel to that book, but yeah. I really liked that character. And I love Patrick Dennis's writing. Anti Mame and Belle Quatrain are both Patrick Dennis, yeah. so either either Little Me or Anti Mame, but that that sort of I love the liberation that those characters offer you as a as a reader. It's like be yourself. That that song from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Don't Feel It, Dream It. You don't know, dream it, be it. Don't dream it, be it, or whatever, where they're floating yeah. in that pool chanting that. I just, that's such a theme for me in my whole life. And so all of those characters give me that. And any other character that offers me that, Peter Pan, mm-hmm. you know, characters who offer that, that message always appeal to me. So mm-hmm. those oh. three came to mind. Anyway, so, it's not an option. I'm special. You are special. <laughs> you had a coupon for two extra. And I, I like a it. Groupon. I like that you picked one of your own. I think that's Fictional I'll characters. pick one of my own characters yeah. and throw them in. What the hell? So we did ask you all to come up with your five, at least five. We could you could go on all night if you'd like. We love you both. Um, favorite books, t- uh, movies, TV shows. We have a section of the website, thedinnerpartyshow.com, called Christopher and Eric's Favorites, and that is where we post our guest recommendations as well. So... Um, Brian, would you like to go first? With no, I wouldn't. I went first last okay, time. Well, Patricia, I, I think it's Patricia. Patricia goes first. Patricia, you'll go first. Well, what I'm going to do is focus on favorite books that I read when I was a little kid. Oh, that's a wonderful. Great idea. By the time I was 10 years old, I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. And You had said you were writing on the ranch. Yeah. I was actually hunting and pecking my first little short stories on the ranch typewriter with the big wide carriage for writing pedigrees mm. on in the ranch office. My dad would have to evict me out of his office chair when he came in to do his work, <laughs> so forth. And, you know, and this was because of the things that I read. And, of course, this was, you know, like World War II and after when um, right. kids still had to read books in school. But I was from a very bookish family, I mean, ranch family, but love books, great big library. Everybody in the family had libraries, and I was given books for Christmas. And so um, a favorite, first of all, fiction were things like the works of Dickens, uh, A Christmas Carol, you know, some of those Mm. great Victorian Mm -hmm. classics Mm -hmm. that people still read, Black Beauty, Mm. weeping, weeping buckets of tears over Black Beauty. Um, and things like The Red Pony by John Steinbeck, 
lots, lots of animal stuff. Uh-huh. Ernest Thompson, Seaton's um, Wild Animals I Have Known, More Tears to Shed. And, and then there was nonfiction, which really came in very strongly after World War II because everybody wanted to read about the war and history. And right. so there was a lot of really wonderful books to read. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt's My Life, because uh, she had a, a big influence on me as an inspiration when I was a kid. No kidding. Um, what an amazing human being. Uh, Crusade in Europe by Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, just a lot of the books that came out after the war. I mean, and those were things that I read in school. Uh, and most particularly, um, the the first book I ever read that made me aware uh, that there was something called the gay universe, uh-huh. gay men, lesbians, and some of the feelings, was Seven Pillars of Wisdom by T.E. Lawrence, mm. which was his war memoir uh-huh. of his experiences in the Middle Eastern campaign during World War One, And... Aside from the fact that he took the standard war memoir and made it very personal, he got into the subject on page two, and which was an incredibly courageous thing to do in the 1920s to publish a book totally. that talked about men in uniform and the feelings that could come up in the relationships. Mm. Uh, and this was a thread throughout the book, and it just kind of stood my hair on end. I read it. Uh, as a classroom assignment to read a book on World War One, and I actually waded my way through the whole book because there was this incredible story thread of two Arab boys that had a relationship. Huh. He follows the story of these two boys, and it it was the it was the beginning of the glimmer, the first glimmering for me of a subject that I knew that someday I would have to write about myself. Wonderful. And the name of that specific book again is Seven Pillars of Wisdom. Seven Pillars of T. E. Wisdom. T. E. Lawrence. And yes. what amazes me is it's always omitted from the lists of you know great gay novels and wow. so forth. I, I have to say I wasn't aware of it as such. Either, so yeah. that's really, that's a great yeah. recommend. And, and, and he's an amazing writer and he totally had his own style, which he which he developed and so forth. Well, he's and, become a legendary figure. Uh, oh, he so. is a legendary figure. And, but you kind of get it from the horse's mouth. But from, he wrote from, the from legend the himself, right? Very <laughs> personal story. I mean, he just takes you into the heart of war and what it does to people and what it did to him. You know? Brilliant. And it's, uh, We're going to take a short break, and then we will be back with Brian Fuller's favorite. So you have time to... To, 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 to pull it all together. I want to do books now. It's yeah, such a great... pull it all together. <laughs> you're going to have a few minutes. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, bringing you interviews with some of the hottest celebrities who made the mistake of taking Christopher and Eric's call. Christmas is almost here. And Favorites Month continues here on The Dinner Party Show. It's time for the TDPS Holiday Party, featuring all the special correspondents you hold so dear. That's right. Joan L. Sams, Jordan Ampersand, Lylan Kyle, Breck Artery, and more. The gang will all be here this Sunday, December 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Because this TDPS holiday party won't just be about good cheer, it will also be the scene of a very special, exclusive announcement about what's coming up for the Dinner Party Show in 2016. Trust us, you won't want to miss it. The Dinner Party Show, a new live cast, begins airing every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific at thedinnerpartyshow.com or through our free mobile app. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where all of our shows are available for free anytime you want to listen. Hi, 
I'm Jordan Ampersand. Did you know that Christopher Rice, co-host of The Dinner Party Show, writes books? Yeah, I didn't know either. And neither does anyone else, because nobody reads his stupid <sighs> books. Jordan, you had one job. One. I'm sorry. I'm just having trouble believing Christopher wrote an erotic romance. I mean, what is it about? A guy who stays home and falls in love with porn? No. Stop. Talking. A guy who falls in love with texting guys who are too young for him? How old are you again? I don't see how that's relevant. What's relevant is you're fired. And that Kiss the Flame, a Desire Exchange novella by Christopher Rice, is now available for purchase through the dinnerpartyshow.com and Amazon. It's the latest installment in Christopher's steamy erotic romance series. I hope I'm not in it. That would be so embarrassing. Uh, it's a straight romance, not a psychotic, gay, drug-addicted chipmunk romance. Do they even write those? Someone will. Soon. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The internet is full of people talking about stuff they hate. So on the dinnerpartyshow.com, we've decided to launch a new feature that's all about stuff we love. That's right. It's called Christopher and Eric's Favorites. Each month, we'll recommend a variety of products we just can't live without so that you can enjoy them, too. You can visit Christopher and Eric's favorites at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and that's where you can also sign up for our newsletter and be the first to know when new favorites are added to the site. And remember, if you use any of the buy links on thedinnerpartyshow.com, a percentage of your purchase will help support the operation of the show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we have Brian Fuller and Patricia Nell Warren in studio with us. We want to check in with An our Facebook page. Exactly. My mother is currently terrorizing people on Facebook. She Still? wants you Get to em. play that drunken Christmas song with the drunks in New York lockup singing next to week. each other. Next week, Miss Rice. Next week. We will week. be playing that song next week at Fantasy the CDPS Holiday Party. Totally in. Don't we wouldn't. It's a Christmas tradition here at the dinner party show. Wouldn't be Christmas without exactly. Fantasy of New York. And Gary Swafford says he is currently wearing the Pushing Daisies swag T-shirt Yay! that he won from our show. Thanks to your generosity, Brian Fuller. It took all Brought I could in. to give those things away. I wanted that stuff yeah. so bad. You can come Absolutely. with me to the garage. We'll get you a daddy. I love it when you talk like all that. All right, Brian, you're up. You're on the spot. We okay. asked you to bring in I, your favorites, too. And just a reminder to people, we're going to post all these favorites. Patricia listed some amazing books that influenced her in our last segment. These will go up in a few days, I'm going to say. Or maybe a week or two. Tomorrow. Give ourselves some time um, at the dinnerpartyshow.com <laughs> and the Christopher and Eric's favorites page. Not tomorrow. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to follow the example of favorite books from my youth because I thought that was such an inspired umbrella under which to pick our favorites. So uh, these five books were books that heavily influenced me as a writer and also shifted my imagination into something that was beyond the, the, the uh, boundaries of reality in such a great way. So I'm going to say the first one is Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. Mm. It's my f probably my all-time favorite book. If you haven't read it, it's, it's a fantastic, kinky little tale oh. of sideshow freaks. Um, Excellent. 
John Irving's A Prayer for Owen Meany. Oh, wow. Left me in a puddle of tears when I finished it. It was such a, a wonderful book and so richly told. Uh, the, the real cornerstones of my adolescence were, of course, horror and fantasy and science fiction books. And I would say... Uh, Clive Barker's Books of Blood mm. were heavily influential as a kid and also introduced me to queer horror in a way that I hadn't anticipated because I had been reading Stephen King and loving Stephen King. And then Clive's writing was totally so different. much totally different. grittier yeah. and sexier and naughtier in a way that was fantastic. Not to say that there weren't plenty of those experiences reading Stephen King books. My favorite probably being Salem's Lot is a huh. huge favorite. And uh, my the, the last most influential book of my adolescence was Interview with a Vampire by Anne Rice. Oh. Huge, hugely influential. I was just going to stay quiet and see what unfolded. And, you know, I had to save it for last. Was it Interview with a Vampire? But yeah, excellent. There's a, there's a lot of Lestat and Louis in Hannibal, I would say. I agree. I completely uh, that, I think agree. that is one of the great literary romances of all time. I told Anne that and got one of the greatest dedications or, or her inscription in The Prince of. Prince Lestat yeah. last was acknowledged that I had told her that. I was like, wow. It is. It absolutely is. It's a sweeping epic romance. Absolutely. Yeah. I have always mm-hmm. thought that. And yeah, my big introduction to that there were other gay people in the world, just to bring it full circle, yeah. was the front runner. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody in Patricia Columbia, Nell South Warren's Carolina. Book, the front runner. Exactly. I can't think who must have given me that book. I don't know how it came into be in my hands. I think it was an English teacher named Joan Assey. Gave it to me uh, to read in an offhanded kind of way. Well, this is something you might like. Her last name was Assy. I'm afraid so. And yeah. her husband's mm-hmm. first name, whose name it really was, mm-hmm. was Jack. Jack <laughs> Assy. I'm going to steal that for a character. And she Jack was the sweetest Assey. woman Detective I adored Jack Assey. her. And I think she must have given me that book, but somehow it was like to be in Columbia, South Carolina in the dark ages, as I was, to know that there were other people in the world in the way that, that, um, that T.E. Lawrence reached out to you across the continuum, across the, the history. To Isn't it amazing how the, bo- out there. the books find us? Right. There's mm-hmm. a magic about that. Uh, I, I remember hearing a story from a reader uh, who was from Tennessee, rural Tennessee, and he told me this story of buying a real junker old car for $100 that he was going to fix over, and it was his first car. And he was cleaning all of the junk out uh. of the from the back seat and under the seats and so forth. And there was the moment when he reached way back, trying to drag out the last bits of, you know, old old hamburger wrappers from under the <laughs> from <laughs> under the back out? seat. And his fingers found, and there was a paperback book stuffed back in there. And he pulled it out, and it was the Bantam edition of the Front Runner. Oh my God! And he looked at the cover. And which had the, probably the most wonderful cover that was ever on the front runner, which affected so many people. And he just instantly had this, like looking in the mirror and realizing that this was him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But imagine the magic of the car and the book and the kid right. coming together at that moment in time, you know? That just happens then to all of us. How would that magically have come happens together? With there all it was. of us, with, and that's just the wonderful thing about books. I love whenever I finish reading a great book, just leaving it somewhere randomly. Mm-hmm. And just like, huh. 
I'm, what a great idea. There, Only if it's paperback. If that shit yeah, is hardback, yeah. I'm keeping I it. I know. But there was a time in my life where I had to get rid of a lot of books, and I mean get rid of them. I donated them to people, and I thought, mm-hmm. I looked at a box of books in my room, and I thought, what could this box of books do if it fell off a truck in a small, rural, conservative right? town? You know, because it was my library after all. I thought, but these books could really change someone mm-hmm. in a good way, mm-hmm. you know, in a good way. And I think that's what the intimacy of a book offers. If you, It's sometimes hard to get people to commit to it because mm-hmm. it is so intimate right. and it is more work than watching a television show right. or watching a movie. But if they do commit, you really have them. You really have them. That's right. Yeah. How because, did the interview fall into your hands? I would see it on... I saw the paperback on the... Uh, the, the paperback shelf at the local at low cost drugstore in uh-huh. Clarkson, Washington, wow. and I saw it and I saw it and I saw it, and finally I saved up enough money to buy it. Uh-huh. And uh, I read parts of it, and it, it I loved that it was first person. I loved that it was just taking you on a journey. And the you know we had always seen vampire tales. From it was rare to see a vampire tale from the vampire's point of view. I, I don't mm-hmm. think there ever had been. No, mm-hmm. no, not up until that point. Um, and the cover, I remember, it was the it was the black cover with the orange guy, like the little cross in the middle. I don't know if you remember that paperback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. I remember that. There were so many different ones. There were the ones with the models in the white lace, which was an interesting. Cover I hadn't choice. seen that one. Yeah, yeah. and then those. that one I remember was from my youth, the one you just described with the cross and the the orange sunlight, and and then I think it went just uh, uh, gold foil with the you know the right writing on the yeah. in black. Yeah. But it rocked my world. It uh, it was something that I I hadn't imagined. I remember when I stopped your mother and and called her, <laughs> which and, I, if our listeners would like to hear that story, it's in our podcast library. Go back to Brian's first appearance on the dinner party show. His first of about nineteen, right? So, but, but it's the first one, so it's easier to find. And I asked her. I was like, How, "Where did you like? Where did you find all this stuff?" And she's like, "I made it up." And it was so. It was like, "Oh, yeah." That's Great. a possibility. Huh? So you can just make, make shit make up. This up. <laughs> well, y- using your imagination. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Well, clearly you are our favorite guests because we have run a little bit over here on the Dinner Party uh-huh. Show. Yay! Patricia and Brian, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank Absolutely. you for having us. Um, thanks, they, everybody, for they, calling in. Right. Thanks, for everyone, on the party line. We want to remind everyone our holiday party is next week, and we have a very big announcement. Very big announcement. You want to miss the it. the show. We can hardly special. wait. not want to miss. So very special episode. And next week, thanks to Shea Butters, and thanks to everyone on the Facebook page for chiming in with your questions and your comments. We love you. You will always be party people here at the Dinner Party Show. And until next week, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to the Dinner Party Show. Thank you.
I've been to a marvelous party. 